Welcome back, folks. Just after the 4.30 point on the dial, Scott Reed sitting in for Rashmi Nair here. Hey, folks, listen, News Talk 1010's Gift of Giving for Kit, Sick Kids returns Thursday, December 14th. That's just next week. This year, we're encouraging listeners to make one-time donations to help us all raise funds toward a new ultrasound machine that will help sick kids heal the future. Go to Newstalk1010.com to donate now or tune in and donate on December 14th from 2 to 6 p.m. to make double the impact. Thanks to Leeswood Construction, every donation from 4 to 5 p.m. on December 14th will be double matched up to $25,000. Full details available at Newstalk1010.com. Welcome back, everybody. Scott Reed here filling in for Reshmi Nair. And now we are at the time of the day that we like to refer to as smart speakers. And we are joined by our friends, Gurtan Singh, Vice President of Crestview Strategy, Community Advocate and Lawyer. Jamie Elderton, founding partner at Canaptus, longtime political strategist, and Sarbjeet Kaur, co-founder of KPW Communications. How's everybody doing today? Doing all right. Scott, how are you? Just great. All right, Jamie, I'm going to start with you. That nasty Doug Ford's going at Bonnie Crombie <laughs> with a hatchet. She's not even, she's had like 24 hours in the job. He says she's out of touch with everyday people. She's vacationing in the Hamptons. She rides in Maseratis. Why is he being so mean? Well, Scott, as you know, if you uh, don't define your political opponents, it gives them more of a chance to define himself. And so this is probably just more politics as usual from Doug Ford after Bonnie Crombie's third ballot win to become Ontario Liberal leader over the weekend. He's trying to stomp all over what otherwise could have been a uh, 72-hour news cycle of some positive press to make her react to uh, some of the accusations he's thrown at her. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Sarbjeet, is it going to be effective? It feels like it's pretty kind of knee-jerk reflex. They've got to have like more sophisticated, more thoroughly researched attacks coming down the pike than this, don't they? You know, it shows that he's extremely threatened in these types of uh, characteristics. They might have been effective 10, 15, 20 years ago when we felt that you were either uh, an A or a B. But this is a woman who is self-made. Um, she she comes from very humble roots. Her, her parents were immigrants. Her father worked as a janitor. You know, if she's worked hard, that she can also enjoy her life, which, quite frankly, a lot of women and people who want to enter politics you know, this is what's expected today, that this doesn't mean that we can't have a life and we can't live. Otherwise, who wants to be in politics? So I don't think it's going to be effective. I think it makes him come off as a bully. And anyone who knows her, and this is the thing about her, she is overly in touch with people. That, that overly, in touch. overly in touch? Overly in touch. That sounds almost creepy. I was in uh, Mississauga. <laughs> I'm a longtime Mississauga resident. She goes to 10, 12 events a night. She talks to everyone. She keeps in touch with people. She's so accessible. So the idea that she's not in touch with people, it's not going to work for anyone who's ever had any kind of interaction with her. Gertan, I've been goofing around a little bit, but in all seriousness, for the uh, for Marit Styles and the NDP, do you do they sort of watch this unfold and go, well, just hang on a second? You know what? We wouldn't mind being attacked a little bit. Like, is there a is there a, a concern for Ford that by concentrating his fire so sharply on Bonnie Crombie that he's signaling to people she's my one and only opponent? Well, I think the big thing is that uh, the issue is that what we see with um, what's happening. Am I still there? I had, I had a bit of a blip right now. Can no, you hear me okay? I hear you fine, man. There we go. Perfect. Yeah. So what I was saying, the real issue actually is that it's this is really rich coming from Doug Ford because Doug Ford is a career politician who wanted to open up the green belt to help his insider developer friends and buddies make billions of dollars he wanted to and and, uh, that was something that the ndp fought to reverse and that in addition he's someone who um 
uh, you know, has been trying to privatize our healthcare to the benefit of of the few and not the many. So, and, you know, I find it very rich, this criticism coming from Doug Ford. That being said, though, I think what it is concerning is that Doug Ford and Bonnie Crumby do share a lot of the same political positions. And this is why what we saw during Bonnie Crumby's leadership, a lot of the center to the left of the Liberal Party actually were worried about the policies they should bring in, the policies like wanting to cut health care and child care, like wanting to also similarly have a policy which is similar mm-hmm. as, as cozying up with developers, uh, like uh, you know supporting carving up the green belt, not wanting to invest in housing. So I think what's really problematic is, you know, I think Doug Ford and, and Bonnie mm-hmm. Crumby, for Doug Ford to want to criticize her for being out of touch, Doug Ford should look at himself and see his own privilege and being a career politician. But I think for Ontarians, the bigger question is, what do we need as an alternative to Doug mm-hmm. Ford? Do we need a Doug Ford light? Or do we need a real mm-hmm. alternative to someone who's going to instead, like the NDP, fight to protect health care, protect our green belt, and protect and expand the services that we rely on? All right. Well, I heard absolutely no agreement between all three of you on the topic of Bonnie Crombie and Doug Ford's uh, brand new attacks on her. So let me uh, let me stick with you, Groton, and ask you this. Can we agree with the CEO, Michael Medline, of Sobeys Groceries Chain that our grocery sector here is one of the most competitive on earth? Is he, uh, is he, I mean, it's easy to dunk on the guy and go, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, one of the most competitive things a lot. But he does talk about the fact that they had frozen prices on 90% of packaged goods, that they are extending that uh, freeze. Um, he recognized that even if he, even if our grocery retail sector, as he asserts, is one of the most competitive on earth, he is saying, well, yeah, but you know, I know that's not much comfort to people. So what do you make of his testimony and his arguments? I, I would just say in general right now, like when, whenever we hear anyone talk about life being easy for folks, the reality is that when you talk to individuals across the board, people are really struggling right now. They're struggling with their cost of rent, their housing, they're struggling with the cost of groceries and the impact there as well. Like it's a really tough time for people across the board. And that's why I think people rightly so are looking to government and saying, we need substantive changes right now to help make life easier at a time where it's one of the roughest times ever in recent history for people to uh, make ends meet and it's also important to keep in mind that we're not just talking about people who uh you know are traditionally considered you know individuals who need a, more access to resources we're talking about a lot of like what what is coined as you know people who are are working class and even you know blue collar even white collar jobs but even they are, are struggling right now to make ends meet so this is affordability crisis is really tough for across the board and i think anyone who suggests that uh, you know, it's easy to get by with regards to housing, grocery prices, or otherwise needs to just look at the reality of people's lives right now and how tough it is. Yeah, but Sarbjit, to be fair, the guy didn't say, hey, you know what, you all you unwashed people, you can go lick the aisles. I'm just stuffing my pockets with cash. He he didn't say that he didn't recognize that people aren't struggling out there. And he, he did try to make the case that, you know, they're they're taking steps. Um, are those steps sufficient? It is, is it possible for him, you're a communications expert, is it possible for him to even communicate in this area with any successful whatsoever. Yeah, I think it is. I think, um, you know, if I'm putting on my communications hat, you want to focus on acknowledging the problem, accepting it. You don't need to argue with people who know very well that when they go to the grocery store, it's hurting them. You know, you don't have to convince them that what they know is expensive is not expensive. 
focus on what you're doing, action, and reiterating what you're doing and the action that you're taking to respond to people's concerns and needs and provide uh, feedback on doing what you can to make your customers' lives better. So I would say that when you get into any kind of defensiveness or this kind of uh, making excuses mode, you kind of lose uh, the message that you are trying to, to really focus on, which is that we hear you, we are working on this, and this is what we're going to do to help you and fix this problem. Jamie, these CEOs of the grocery stores have been called to Ottawa to be upbraided by the minister. They've been called before committee to uh, more or less just get punched in the face by members of parliament <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, but... You know, does any of this show trial junk, does any of this make any difference? Does any of it matters? Do you think that, you know, these measures that he's talked about, about freezing some of the packaged goods prices and all that stuff, do you think that that's a consequence of the political pressure that's being applied? And, you know, um, Jagmeet Singh claims, you know, that he this he's made this his cause celeb. Or do you think that, you know, they're taking the steps they would have taken otherwise? Well, if you take grocers at face value, they tell you that they generally freeze prices this time of year. So I think there's definitely probably part of that Scott that is doing what they do. Otherwise, I think the CEO of Sobeys, though, today in this reporting saved himself from being, say, the villain in the face of evil grocers the way that Galen Weston has not been able to do uh, and kind of delivering his message of like, here's what we're trying to do. Here's how we're keeping this low. This is something we're going to keep working on. Uh, I think the part where he says that there's lots of competition is laughable. There's essentially three large grocery chains in this company, in this country, and they all have like different sub-brands within them, similar to the way our telecoms, three big carriers work, and they all have discount carriers. Uh, it's kind of like an illusion of competition, or actually, rather than real choice. All right. Jamie Arlton, Gurton Singh, and Sarbjeet Kaur. We're going to be back right after the break with more smart speakers. Thanks for being here. Scott Reed sitting in for Rush Minair here on The Rush. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, Toronto. Hope you're having a good drive home. Scott Reed sitting in for Reshminer on the rush. We are halfway through our world famous smart speaker segment. We have Garotin Singh, Vice President of Crestview Strategy, Community Advocate and Lawyer, Jamie Allerton, fa- founding partner of Canaptis and longtime political strategist, and Sarbjeet Kaur, co founder of KPW Communications. Sarbjeet, let's start with you. Um, let's just put you right on the spot. Uh, who on this panel do you think, uh, and you could include the host if you wish, in fact, maybe you strongly wish to, uh, who would you say has Riz? <laughs> um, I'd say Garatan. I've known Garatan. <laughs> All right, there we he's go. Got, he's got a lot of Riz charisma, a.k.a. charisma. So Riz is the word of the year, according to the Oxford University uh, Press. Let's go to the man himself, Garotin. What do you think of this? Uh, you like? Do you do you like? Uh, do you use the word Riz? I mean, obviously, it gets flung at you all the time, as we've heard. Uh, people are constantly <laughs> applying it in reference to your uh, conduct. Uh, is this a word that you, uh, you you were on top of? Well, let's just say for the record. If you were to ask me who I thought had Riz, I would have said Starbreed has the Riz as well. So it's a mutual oh. thing, right? Um, yeah, it's cool. Just, you know, Gen Z. Gen Z's, uh, this is the language. This is what's coming up. This is the culture creators of younger uh, generations and folks. And, uh, you know, this is this is the, the impact of social media, of TikTok times Reels, and, and uh, the younger generation making a splash with their uh, use of different terms. So, yeah, it's cool. Why not? <laughs> 
Let's celebrate the Riz. All right. Okay, Jamie, I'm switching it up for you. Here's a, uh, a runner-up uh, in the Oxford University Press Word of the Year sweepstakes. Beige flag, that is to say, a character trait that indicates that a partner or potential partner is boring or lacks originality. Um, care to tell us, uh, share uh, any assessments of beige flag relationships you've had in your, uh, your own uh, history? Scott, I just want you to take a deep breath and relax. No one is accusing you as guest host of uh, flying a beige flag. People also think you have res. <laughs> oh, I sense a heat dome. High, high pressure weather system joining over top of this particular panel. All right, let's stick with you, Jamie. Tell me this, tell me this, tell me this. Uh, Uber taking Toronto to court. And they're saying, look, the move, and it was a surprise move by uh, by city council um, to impose this rideshare cap. So the number of licenses that are being handed out in the city for rideshare licenses uh, capped happened really suddenly on the October uh, council. Now Uber is taking this issue to the courts, saying that Toronto is arbitrarily focusing on Uber, uh, that it wasn't due process, wasn't a proper advance notice. Do you think they have an argument? So I haven't read the full statement of claim, but I think when you look at what's driving this and how surprising the decision was when Mayor Chow and her council colleagues passed this cap, uh, I suspect this is legal strategy doubling as publicity and PR strategy in trying to activate their base. Of course, Uber quite effectively, uh, when it first came to Toronto, was constantly getting users to contact counselors to pave the way so that ride sharing was actually legal in Toronto. And I suspect they were asleep at the switch on this one as the surprise motion passed last month. And so whether or not this injunction is granted, which if it's an injunction, suggests to me it would only be a temporary pause, not a reversal. It's giving them time to start to activate their user base to fight back. Sarbjeet, um, don't you think the council had some obligation, though, to be transparent in this movie? It's going to drop something that's going to so profoundly no, affect the business not model. Not with, no? not with Uber. Not with Uber, which is a company that's entire business model has been based on breaking the rules and illegality. If anything, this has all come full circle. Uber came in, uh, undercut license, uh, licensed drivers that had to operate under a regime where they had a limited number of rides, licenses, which were for good reason, to make sure that people could make a living and that there were right number of cabs on the road. So if you needed one at any given time of the day, you can have one. And there wasn't surge pricing. There was safety inspections. There was commercial insurance. And Uber came along and just undercut them by basically not having to do any of this stuff. But doesn't that sound like two wrongs make it right? I'm I'm not not bumping for Uber. but This is council's fault, too. They let them do this. They let them operate illegally for so long as they did in every jurisdiction. And now in every jurisdiction, it's catching up to them because at the end of the day, people are saying, well, wait a minute, they should have safety uh, inspections. Wait a minute, the drivers should have background checks. They should have commercial insurance, which is what the original system was designed to do. So now as they have to abide with all these things, they're fighting for their life because then their business model doesn't work. When they have to pay the same fees and do the same things and have uh, obligations, and they, can, they can't make it work. And now this, uh, they're trying to use the law, which is so ironic. They don't believe in the law. Now they're upset that someone's using the law. It's a bit of a joke, if you ask me. Wow, that's an unequivocal uh, no no stars, no tip uh, coming from uh, Serbjeet. Garotten, let me just ask you this. I mean, what's the outcome here? I mean, it's not like, like if you, if you cap the licenses, doesn't that by definition mean that prices are going to go up? So in the end, doesn't this hammer uh, the people who are using the service? 
Well, people have choices, right? That's that's the whole thing when it comes to transportation. And traditionally, we've had a, a regimen of uh, the, the main choice, rather, in in, uh, in majority of cities, including Toronto, was a, 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 an area that was licensed, that had backgrounds checked, that had safety, everything that Sardu was referring to. And now we are seeing uh, these similar standards being put across the board, which I think the customer, the citizen, the individual has a right to have that guaranteed sense of security and safety and in knowledge that they're going to be partaking into a, in, uh, you know, transportation option that has those similar kind of safety uh, areas. And I think now Uber has, a, has to adapt because this is the model that was prevalent across the board. And clearly there were issues and that's why council put this forward to make sure that, you know, they're looking after their, their, the folks in their city. And, and, um, you know, I think it's, it's important that we have safe regulation for people across the board and, and if you can't handle it, then that's up to business to be innovative and, and uh, adapt to what is something another industry had to deal with for decades. Oh. Scott, if I may here, though, my friends are fighting a debate from eight years ago when Uber was first coming into the city. What the council did was cap the number of people who can drive. No one's fighting against safety standards here. The motion that council passed to surprise just caps the number of drivers on the road, which means supply is going down, surge pricing and prices are going up. And in places like Scarborough, where the Scarborough RT was mothballed after it literally fell apart, uh, riders there are now being forced to pay more for Uber to get out of a region that's also a bit of a transit desert. So this is going to force everyday Torontonians to pay more. And I think it was a boneheaded move by council. Well, wait a minute. Let's talk about pricing. Pricing means that people can make a living wage. So yes, if they did all the studies, they were finding that these drivers were making less than minimum wage because of uh, the pricing. And secondly, when something is too cheap, you know what happened? Transit ridership went down. You had more more cars on the road. They've had 10, 15, however many years Uber's been to see the outcome of this model. And it's not pretty. Wow. Man, you guys, you talk ride sharing with this crew and uh, fur flies. You people are really into this. Listen, we're out of time. I was going to ask you uh, all to give a uh, round of applause to the great Christine Sinclair who will be playing her last game tonight, but we ain't got any more time. Garotten Singh, Vice President of Crestview Strategy, Jamie Allerton from Canaptus and Subject Core KPW Communications. Thanks a lot, guys. That was a lively, fun panel. Have a great night. Cheers, All right, we come back. Boy, oh boy, do we have a big one. Our pal Rob Benzi, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star, is breaking a huge story. Um, let me put it this way. You're going to want to learn what deathbed promise Doug Ford is reneging on. That's when we return after the news here on News Talk 1010.